adjacent. You're listening to the Sports Adjacent. Okay, I like that. I just learned something new today. Adjacent. With Jason Leisure and Russell Dorsey on the House of L Network. We're doing everything I dreamed of as an adjacent. I, uh, I got the Caesars for dinner. The Caesars. That's Big disgusting. fan of the Caesars. Yeah, but that's disgusting. That's gross to eat like what? on a video in front of people. That's going to be gross to listen to you eat that. You know what's funny? That's actually not as bad as to eat on an audio platform as the custard was when he was slurping custard. <laughs> yeah, but it's worse than a sandwich. The Caesar salad, the sound effects of him eating that during the show are going to be very uh, squishy and squirty. Uh, uh, also, I'm, I'm blinging a little bit too. Just a little hey. bit. A little, little bit. Jason, come on, man. I got, I'm double chained up. I'm two chains. Okay. You got you to gotta get a chain, Jason. You're the only one chainless. Okay. I I didn't I wasn't aware that I needed a chain. I'm not really in the market for a chain. <laughs> That's your problem. You need to be. Okay. Why are you wearing two chains today, Tony? I've been two chaining up for the last probably a uh, week or so. Okay. I'm a big multiple chain guy. I understand. So, uh, you know, I always wanted chains when I was younger. Uh, my parents would not allow, uh, allow me to have one. They denied me the chain access. I was like, do you know how many girls I could have got in elementary Man. school if, if I was blinging? In elementary school. Wow. I hope, I hope, I hope this is, a, we've actually bumped into something because your parents denying you where, so you could pull, like I wanted cornrows as a young boy. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the reasons I, I ended up growing my hair out was cause I was like, you know what? I think I'll be able to uh, to pull, and my parents were like, "Nah, son, you're not getting corals." And I was like, "Bro, y'all not right." I was like, "How old were you when that happened?" What'd you say? How old were you when that happened? Uh, I was like 11, 12. Okay, all right. Because we're going through that right now with my daughter, with Grace, who's like about that age. She's eleven, mm-hmm. and uh, she wants to do all this crazy stuff to her hair. Mainly wants to dye it like some absurd colors mm-hmm. and she's at that age where it's like, I feel like I can't tell her to know about her own hair anymore. Like it's her hair. She's got to do what she wants to do with it. You know, it's not a piercing. It's not a tattoo. It's not permanent, but I got to yeah. look at it. I and told my parents be, that and it's going it to be in all these like, pictures. No. It's going to be in all these photos, man. <laughs> like our, all our photos for the next however many months are going to be. I wish, I wish my parents took your approach. I wish my parents took your approach where it's like at some point, but they, I can't give you the whole backstory and why they wouldn't let me do it because, but I wish they had. Well, it sounds like it would be interesting. It sounds like it by probably would. Nature, by the nature of you not wanting to say it makes me very <laughs> curious. About it. You're right. It's the one I have to leave off mic because they were wrong, but it's fine. <laughs> Was, are there any, is there anything that your parents were strict about that you, that you agree with now um, that you, that you like were mad about when you were eight or 10 or whatever, 15. And then at 25, you're like, yeah, you know, I'm glad they had that rule. I'm glad. Yeah, they did that. I, I think they were always strict about um, what time I had to be back home. The older I get, like, it makes sense when you see like, all right, nothing good's happening at this hour. <laughs> at the same time, it's like the older I got, the more, 
you know, responsibility I would get and therefore the longer I could stay out. And I never gave my parents a reason not to trust me. So that time got later and later. Like, so there was one time where it was the first time I really pushed back against my mom. I was probably 19. It's that like that first summer you come home after school, you've been away, Mm -hmm. you've been Mm -hmm. doing your thing thing. And I you're come convinced home. you're a grown up at that point. No, because you are. Thing. Yeah, stop not it, really. Stop it, Jason. That's, <laughs> I mean, stop it, Tony. All right, <laughs> I so didn't say anything. Nah, I'm, 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 I'm engaging the story. I know, I know, no, 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 no. I, I meant Tony, but I was looking at you. All right, so um, I, I'm. It's a summertime here in Chicago. All the pretty girls are out. I'm home from school. I'm feeling myself. I'm like, yeah, I'm about to be a sophomore in college, and. It's a beautiful summertime <laughs> in Chicago. And so I'm, I'm out. Sophomore in college. Like that means something. <laughs> I'm about to be 20 years old. Um, and so then I'm out with some friends and we're out. And I tell my mom, yo, we're probably going to be back late, probably around 11, 1130. I was still living in the burbs at the time at my parents' house. And we're out. We're in the city. And we're having a great time, doing doing good. Um, And then it's like 11... And we're still having a good time. And then there's another party we're going to go to. Okay. And you know how it gets where it's like, there's a party after that too. So I text my mom. I, I'm I like, I don't know how that gets, but it sounds fun. That's unfortunate. <laughs> um, so I was just like, all right, I'll text mom, ma. Uh, we're going to be out a little bit longer, but I'm okay. We're good. Be home at some point in the next couple hours. Couple hours goes by. Now it's like 1.30 in the morning. I'm not back home yet. My phone's about to die. I don't hit my mom back. And then I get home. I'm taking the train home. I get home at like 2.30. Mm-hmm. And at this point, uh, I had a friend drop me off at home. I get in and my mom, I go to my room you know, getting settled in and my mom comes in and she's like, don't come in this house this late and not let people know where you are. You could be God knows where, you know how parents go off. You could be God knows where in some gutter somewhere. We mm-hmm. don't know about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> parents mm-hmm. love to say but that, gutter. See, but see, that's one of their favorite words is gutter. But that's not <laughs> theatrics. That's not drama. That's not over, I know it's not. overly I know dramatizing it's not. it. That's like, that's what you think as a parent. I get it. But at the same time, well, that's always the gutter. Was, what, what's what's the gutter? What is the gutter? Yeah, please explain to me. They never explain <laughs> what the gutter parent, is. Jason. Lying in the gutter. Right. So I, then I, I hear all my mom say this. She going off. I'm uh, tired and I had been having adult beverages. She didn't know that at the time. So now I'm just like looking at my mom and I'm, in my head. I'm, I'm listening. I'm like, should I should I take it there? I don't feel like taking it there. But at some point, we need to have this conversation. And so I look at my mom dead in the face. I'm like, Mom, I get all that. At the same time, I'm 19 years old. I'm going to turn 20 this year. I've been at school for an entire year, making sure I'm taking care of myself. I'm not doing anything wrong. I've never given you and dad a reason not to trust me. So you got to give me the opportunity to be able to do my thing. And know that, like, you've done a good enough job where I'm not going to get into some foolishness. And we had a little back and forth. It wasn't bad. And then, like, it I don't settled. think that was the exact but, words. If it was a back and forth, I don't I, I think you gave us the good summary. 
But what did you say exactly to her that was like, what? That was exactly what I said to her. Drunk Russ said that? I wasn't drunk. I had a, an adult beverage or two, but I wasn't like drunk. Oh. Also, like, I, you're not going to know when I'm drunk. I promise you. Um, oh. oh, wow. But we're having, <laughs> we're, we were having, a, we were having a, like a real conversation. It was like, I, it was a conversation that we needed to have anyway. So I was just like, ma, like, I'm, I've never given you a reason not to trust me to act right now in this moment like I've done something wrong when I've never done anything wrong is pretty counterintuitive. Like, if I was fucking up all the time, cool, yell at me, scream, you could be in the gutter somewhere, because you're right. But if I've never given you a reason not to trust me, this seems like, what, what are we, this doesn't seem like an efficient use of our time here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we we talked it out. It was fine. And like, they allowed me more space after that. And it wasn't like they, they were doing anything wrong either. It's just like, at some point we needed to have that conversation. And then, you know, everything was okay. It's a constant adjustment as a parent, from my experience at least. I can only really, I guess, talk about my experience. But like, you graduate at every stage, your kids, even when they're turning six, 10, 13, like you gotta find the line between what can I, what freedoms can I give them that are still safe? And at that point, you're, I mean, you've already been on your own. Yeah. So like you should be fully capable of handling all that. But if you still live under your parents' roof, I, I don't know, man. I, I would say you're not an adult necessarily. You're not like, you don't have full, you're not, not that you're not an adult, but you don't have full autonomy if you're living there rent free. Like you still, you still got to play by their rules a little bit if you're not paying for everything. I, I agree with that. And that's why it's like, I would shoot the text, shoot the courtesy text where I was, who I was with. Um, but yeah, like I've never given my re- parents a reason to not trust me up until that point. And it was just like, look, I've been down in Oklahoma by myself, having to figure it out by myself. And I haven't gotten into no recklessness. So like, you have to give me, I, I wanted the same courtesy at home, even though, yeah, I was living, living under their roofs, but it's like, yo, you, yeah. you just trust me. And then, like you said, like, I think for them, it was the first time that they had really like seen it in person. Like, okay, he's an adult now and he's going to do his own thing. But like, what is the balance in that? Well, you guys worked it out. We did. We did work it out. It was fine. Everything's good. We should get your parents on. We should get uh, we should get Mrs. Dorsey on to give her version of that story. And then we can compare. I, I don't feel, like my parents would be entertaining, but I, I honestly want Tony's parents on here <laughs> because like my parents know everything that I do. Tony's parents have have like no, they have to have no clue. I don't he's do doing nothing. I don't do nothing. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what somebody who does a lot of things. <laughs> right, that's not true. Let's, Tony. let's get into that. Let, let's circle back to that. Let, let me, uh, you know, mark that down. That we're going to come back to that in a minute. But welcome to Sports Adjacent. I'm Jason Leisure with my co-host Ross Dorsey and our producer Tony Gill. Sports Adjacent is brought to you as always by Sheets and Giggles, our friends over there with the uh, amazing. 100% eucalyptus bedding. Uh, they got everything, man. They got everything you need. You could fully deck out your bed or you could fully uh, deck things out for your dad. This is a great idea for Father's Day. You got a month. You're way out in front of the game right now. If you jump on your Father's Day gift right now, get that done. You can go to sheetsgiggles.com slash SA and they will automatically apply 23% off at checkout. No promo code needed. Uh, they've got 
I don't even remember how many colors it is. Is it 11 colors of sheets that they have, Russ? They've got yeah. pearl, gray, blue, white. They got everything over there. Um, and it's they're super soft. We have these sheets. They've got duvets, duvet covers, comforters, the heavy throw blanket made of 100% eucalyptus. It's really good stuff, man. It's really AKA soft. Really the heavy throw eucalyptus throw. Correct. Uh, uh, one more time, our show is brought to you by Sheets and Giggles. You can go to sheetsgiggles.com and get 23% off automatically applied at checkout. If you go through that link, you don't need a promo code or anything. I have a million questions for Tony, Russ. I would love to know what, because Tony lives at home, um, not for much longer, right, Tony? Just until the wedding, probably, right? Yeah. So just a few more months of Tony living under his parents' roof still. But Tony is five, if we are counting. He's a he's a full on adult. He is. He's 29, yes, he grew, 30 years old. He, he has, a great, he has mm-hmm. a great job. He's engaged. He's he is not even it's not even that borderline phase like when you're in college or when you're, you know, maybe 23, 24 and still living at home. Mm-hmm. So but Tony, what I'm curious about is do your parents still enforce any rules on you? Do you have no. rules enforced by your mom or dad still at this point? No. No. Um, I'm trying to think of one. But uh, no. Is there anything they're keeping tabs on you about? No. Yeah, no. I mean, I'm right. picturing one of them coming by at like 1130, knocking on your door and saying, hey, Tone, lights out. I'm not even there at 1130 almost. <laughs> He's over at Stephanie's house. They should be concerned. I'm I'm, I'm out I'm, uh, with uh, my fiance. Uh, yeah, I'm not even home at 11:30 most nights, so I, I wouldn't Here, even know what they're thinking about. So here's my thing. I love Russ that he says that he says that so proud. I'm not even home at 11:30. I don't even care that it's a school <laughs> night. You're not in charge of me anymore, Mom. Even yeah. though I still live here. That's what it sounds like. All right. So like, here's my thing, Tony. So you're gonna turn 30. Uh, here very soon and I, I think one of the things for me like when I'm, I moved out at 22 or and probably, no, 23 I moved out when I was 23 and one of the reasons was I just felt like the time that me and my parents should be living in the same space had run its course right S- love my parents to death love my parents a lot we had a great re- relationship while living together at the end it was just, I needed my own space. I needed to just not be in, under my parents' roof anymore. Had, had that ever crossed your mind over the last couple of years? And then wh- what ultimately led you to not do it besides the whole, well, I don't have to pay rent if I live with my parents? Well, yeah. I mean, the life of a producer is not, uh, it's not financially great. <laughs> Yeah, and that's glamorous. The, that's the first. It's not stable. It's not predictable. That, that's the first thing I I mentioned to anybody that wants to do this. Yeah. Uh, and I've seen it, and therein lies was my advantage. Uh, I I couldn't say I was particularly better or uh, smarter than any of my counterparts. I was just able to outlast them because you know I don't have a family. Well, I have a family, but I don't have to. I have a family to take care of. Um, I'm not responsible for anybody. So those you know, five hundred dollar checks that I was getting, you know, every other week uh, was enough to get me from point A to point B, and you know, some snacks um, every two weeks. Like that's not 
a livable wage. So, um, you know, staying with my parents, if I wanted to be the best that I could be at this, um, I had to. I had to. And, you know, did I want to move out? Of course I did. Every young person wants to be out on their own and do their own thing. But I had the opportunity to go full-fledged into what I wanted to do for a career. And it was, you know, I didn't have a car. uh, I didn't have enough money to go out. uh, But I wouldn't trade it because I got good at it. And people noticed that I got good at it. And now, eventually... Um, I got to where I am today, which, uh, work at NBC. Yeah. I get to work with you guys. So, um, now I, now this would be technically the time to, to move out, but now I got a fiance we're getting married soon. So it was like, do I move out now or do I just, you know, partner up with her so we can pick where we're going to live at least for the next few years. So, um, that's how my life ended up kind of working out. But if it wasn't for my parents, uh, let it allow me to stay there. I don't know if I'd be able to achieve the things that I've achieved in this business um, if I wasn't allowed to do that. I think a lot of people look at this field, and I'm going to group all of our jobs into one field mm-hmm. for this conversation, and they just see like Stephen A. Smith getting $8 million a year or whatever it is. And yeah, that's the top end of what you can do here. But for most people, that go into any of these lines of work, there's a lot of financial sacrifice at the beginning. There's a lot of like, hey, I'm gutting this work out for however much money that's not very much, that's not not great. And until I make it, until I get to, until I establish myself and really get where I need to go. And some people, they don't have that luxury tone. They have to, they, they don't have that safety net. They don't have that support at home. And if things aren't working out after a couple of years, it's go time. You know, you got to go to the real world. You got to go get a sales job or an accounting job or whatever. So there, there are a lot of good reasons to do what you did. And you're very close with your family. I think you like being around your parents and brothers and sisters. I don't think it's really that unusual for people, especially nowadays, to live at home if they're single, you know, to 25, 30, somewhere in that range. But I guess at the at the center of the conversation that Russ is trying to figure out with you is how, how much have you felt like you needed your own space Correct. during that time? Or did you not? I mean, no, no. I mean, when you're not making any money and at one point, you know, I did have a full-time job, but in order to go to school to be a producer, I had to work part-time. Uh, so I worked part-time and then worked part-time again at the score. So I had two part-time jobs, uh, but you know, the safety net was there. I was staying with my parents. I was like, look, if I'm going to be successful at this, I got to go all in. So I end up quitting that part, the part-time job that I had at a law firm. Um, and then just worked one part-time job, uh, for essentially four years, four or five years. Um, so it was, it was crazy, man. Like, I used to cry sometimes, like, man, I can't do nothing. Like, I don't, I don't have anything. <laughs> like, I, I, I can't do anything. I can't go out. I can't, you know, pay for food. Like, it was, like, for a, you know, for a person in their mid or their 20s, um, that's tough. That's rough. But, you know, I don't regret it at all. I do not regret any of the decisions that I made to be good at this because this is what I wanted. This is what I wanted to do. 
So um, I live with those consequences. Um, it was rough going through that in, in my early 20s as a, as a young person that is sociable. Uh, but hey, you know, you got to make sacrifices if you want to get where you want to be. And that those were my sacrifices. Uh, financial independence uh, and independence in general was my sacrifice um, to be good at this. So, yeah, it. I didn't mind it. I love my family. My family loves me. We're all cool. I don't, we don't get into arguments or, you know, anything like that, that would, you know, separate us. Like, you know, I get to see my nephew, you know, as many times as I want, like the early stages, like I'm going to remember those times. I'm going to remember that time where, you know, we were all in the house. So yeah, I don't, I don't regret any of it um, in my life. So it's, it's a fun, you know, it's a fun joke. Like it's something that we, you know, poke out, uh, poke at and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny, but like in all seriousness though, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't take that these years back uh, for what I've gained and what I've achieved so far. Tony brings up a really good point about like this business and what real sacrifice looks like to do it and to do it well, because I asked him the question, not because I didn't have to go through a similar thing. Like mm-hmm. I was living at my parents' house after I graduated from school and I actually told my mom when I graduated, I'm like, Ma, I'm going to be here for two years max and then I'm going to leave. Not because like just, they weren't kicking me out, but I, I just felt like I, I didn't want to have to be you know, under their umbrella or have them feel like they had to support me. And she was just like, I mean, we not <laughs> can go kick you out and throw your stuff on the corner. Um, do what you need to do. And like, you can stay here. And as it worked out, I was able to move out in the two years that I promised my mom. But like, Tony's right. Like I worked at a, a not-for-profit was my full-time job. And then I was working at the Tribune at the desk for minimum wage part-time on yeah. the weekends and decided for me to really get into this business how I want to. I need to die feet first, which meant leaving my full-time job where I had benefits and insurance and all that, leave all that to work full-time or f- full-time as far as I could go. Um, I wasn't, I didn't have benefits or anything anymore and take a step back financially to just be closer to this business. So then I could find a shot somewhere Um years later but yeah you have to do that where i was just like tony i was like man i i don't i can't pay for things i want to pay for i gotta like i'm watching my budget all the time because i don't know what i can spend can and can't go out can't go places and then you look back on those times like man all those decisions i made i'm glad i made them because i'm in a way better position now but it makes you appreciate those early times where it's like man I was thugging it out trying, trying to make it in this business. Fam, and like, uh, <laughs> you, you, you're grateful for the things that come in the future. But man, you look back like when Tony talked about he cried. Like I laugh because it's funny, but because that's Tony. But like he right, like he had some times. Like man, it's rough out here. Yeah, man. It, it took like I just started getting paid for what I do at NBC. Like all those years at the score, like those are part time. Like even yeah. like I don't I don't think I've said this publicly, but. Even working as executive producer for Lawrence's show, that did not come with a raise. That was just more notoriety at that point in my career where more people knew me. But that was the only thing that I got. And it was fun. I love working for Lawrence or with Lawrence uh, and at, at the score. That was that was my dream. But financially, like, as much as I wanted to stay, like, Lawrence essentially had to kind of kick me out. Because he know he knew that 
I wasn't getting what I deserved at that point in terms of, yeah. you know, financially. So it was the best decision for me. And I just started working at NBC like two years ago. So, and I'm 29 now. Like that's yeah. my, essentially my whole twenties was grind. But again, like you said, I, I don't regret it. I, I don't regret it. It was fun. I enjoyed it. I wouldn't recommend it for a lot of people. That again, when I talk to people about this business, it's one of the first things I say is if you don't enjoy grinding, you you should, probably shouldn't do this. Or if you can't afford the grind, you probably you know shouldn't do it. Or there's other ways to do it. But the re- people think I you know oh man he came up so so fast or got these opportunities so quick. Like no nah, man, I was out I was out here. I was going to every trying to cover every game. Yeah. I was talking to every writer, every you know uh, uh, beat reporter, like just trying to get my name out there, and it ended up being a benefit. Uh, for me, so I didn't. This this life ain't easy. This life ain't easy. It's it's fun and enjoyable, but it's not easy. Well, and sometimes it looks like it's going much better than it actually is. It's some of it's right. window dressing. Yep. I mean, yep. you're like, hey, I'm covering the Dolphins, or hey, I'm executive producing Lawrence's show, or hey, I work at the Trib, and uh, that's that's not really the whole story. Right. I mean, I was covering the Dolphins as an intern at 22, but I was making I, I was hourly as an intern. And I was fortunate that it was a paid internship, but it didn't pay much. It probably, in the end, came out to something like thirty thousand dollars a year, which is which would be would have been really tough in with no benefits, which would have been really tough in Miami if I wasn't married right. and had someone else who could get the other half of the rent, you know, mm-hmm. and the other half of our income. So yeah, there's there are people who just walk right out of college. I shouldn't say it like that because they earn it. I mean, there are people that come right out of college into amazing jobs in our business, but that's not most people's paths. That's not the path of anybody on our show for sure. And I know very, very, very few people that that's their path. It is usually a lot of grunt work, a lot of work that you're not really thrilled about that you've got to show you could do a great job with to be trusted with bigger things. And it's a lot of sacrifice like Tony's talking about. It's a lot of financial sacrifice. And if you have no safety net, I guess it either pushes you to make it happen somehow uh, or you just you can't make it happen in enough time and you got to move on because you don't have anything to fall back on. You got to go get a real job. Like how many people do you guys know? And I know plenty. I know plenty of good producers that just couldn't do it because the money was just so low. Like they had families, they had legit people to take care of and they tried to live their dream. They gave it a shot. People I went to school with at the Illinois Media School, good people, very passionate about, you know, sports content, sports radio, that they just had, they had to stop because they, they, they didn't have that safety net. So like, I, I kind of do it. I, I still talk to some of those people. I kind of do it for them because they didn't have that opportunity. They had to go out and get real jobs where you knew that they were going to get paid. They were getting benefits, all that stuff because they had people to take care of. I do it for, for those that, and again, this is not just like a, Oh, look at me. Like, no, no, this is not this. Like there's legit people that are passionate about this that can't do it. And I know them. So yeah, I, I do it for them for Brian, you know, my guy, Keith, like people I went to school with, like they they grinded, they were right there with me, but they just couldn't do it just because they they needed to take care of people. I tell uh I tell students all the time, like, and Tony, you touched on it, like this is business not for the faint of heart. 
like there are gonna be times where you just like, man, this is not what I thought it was gonna be, and you just have to, you know, kind of be able to get through those days and continue forward. And it, it's it it feels like it's asking a lot for people to do that because at the end of the day, I'm not gonna pay bills off of exposure, mm-hmm. and I had many days where yeah. I'm like, Doug. Yeah, I know exposure is cool, but like I'm, I need to be paid something. Um, and you have to balance the risk reward of, all right, do I write for this minimal amount of money just because I can get my name out there, or do I push forward for more compensation? Because at the end of the day, you have to be realistic in this business too. It's like, all right, I do need my name out there, mm-hmm. right? I don't have any push right now. Like I don't have. I haven't been getting no burn. Like I need to make the, yes, a smart financial decision, but at the same time, I need to make a smart business decision for something that sets me up for the future. And sometimes that's a decision that comes with no bread. Um, And it takes foresight and you have to be able to trust yourself in that standpoint of, okay, yeah, sucks right now, but I know when I look back on this a year from now or two years from now, it's going to be worth it. The first place that we lived, Russ, when I was 22 and making probably high 20s maybe or 30 grand a year, and my wife was working at a nonprofit, she's probably making about the same. So we were living in a like a one-bedroom apartment. It was an apartment behind a house. So we were in a nice neighborhood, mm-hmm. and the house was the house probably a million-dollar home. Behind it was a structure, I don't know what you want to call this. It looked like maybe another house that had three apartments in it. There's a two-bedroom apartment. There was the one-bedroom apartment. There was a studio apartment. We could afford the one-bedroom. So we had this one-bedroom apartment, tiny. I mean, bathroom, one bathroom for the entire thing, size of a closet, if even that. Uh, I bet your closet right now is twice the size of that bathroom, Russ. Uh, <laughs> The pantry, the, the, the like linen closet is probably about the size of this bathroom. But uh, nowhere to put a dining table, really. There was like a bar we'd eat at. We had a futon. We had an old TV. And we had our one bedroom. We had uh, my wife's cousin came to visit. And they and she is uh, she works in medical. She's a physician's assistant, very successful, lives in a really nice suburb in Houston. And she brought her kids. And her daughter was probably like four that at that point. And they come to see us. They come into our apartment, uh, which I love that place, even as small as it was. I, I miss it in some ways. But she, this four-year-old kid walks around our apartment and turns up and looks at us and says, is this all the house you have? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna talk about Drake. What about Drake? Oh, jumping into bros, uh, girls. I do Wife. think that's something that would be good for our audience. Okay, well, what's going on? What's going on with Drake? I'm Tony, not aware of this. You gotta explain it to him. Yeah, lay this out for Are me. We're gonna talk about Drake and then not, not explain it. That's what he likes to do. He's like, let's talk about who were the yeah, first two guys? Junk Thug Young, and Young Gunna. Thug and Gunna. Right. And you, you say that like. You're supposed to know like, who those people are. Yes. Oh, well, he says it, though, like everyone's been sitting there thinking exactly what he's been thinking. Correct. It's like, I'm sure there are people who know those names, but aren't necessarily up on the story. Uh, I know neither the names nor the story. But if catch us up, Tone, catch us up on 
Which story do we want to do here? Drake? Yeah. Catch us all up, including I know who Drake is. Catch us all up. If there's anyone who's listening that's like me and doesn't know what you're talking about, what did Drake do? So um, Drake is known to be a, a, a really petty boy. Um, he will go to whatever lengths necessary to be petty. Uh, and this was another example that has gone viral of Drake being petty. A, uh, a He posted a picture on his Instagram with his son Adonis. Um, and I believe there was a troll, uh, uh, and, and here's where my, the beginning of my issue is, uh, uh, an adult male married, uh, who mentioned that, uh, Adonis is going to play with ghost riders. I think the picture was at a Toronto Raptors game or something like that. Um, Drake didn't take too kindly to that comment. Uh, and I'm sorry. What is it? What was the comment? So he's going to play with he's going to play with Ghost Riders. So there's there's a so thing the, with Drake. The being that Drake doesn't write his own songs. Yeah, Correct. it's a okay. All right, go on. So Drake, after the uh, the comment was made, comes back to uh, replies to the comment, says, "Hey, I followed your girl. She looks, uh, you know, she's probably miserable." Then DMs her saying, I got you, Ma, or some version of that. She posts Drake following her and his comment on her Instagram stories, you know, saying, like, you know, oh, Drake, my husband was being a troll and Drake ends up following me. Ha ha ha. So there's multiple things that I find wrong with this situation. Mm-hmm. One, why are you attacking another grown man's son as an adult male? With a wife. That's okay. That's so you, the so first this first, your first objection is to the uh, troll. Right. That's my first issue. Okay. All right. Okay. Second issue, Drake is not that serious. It See, is not that's that. what I gotta stop. That's what I gotta stop it's, you, Tony. Wait, that's what I gotta wait, stop wait, you. Because wait, wait, let me let me let me just finish my, go, my, whole, my whole summary. Let him go. Let him it's, go. it's it's not that serious. You don't have to do all that. That's a, do we can a little come bit back, too Russ, much. We can come back. Yeah, we can come back. We're gonna do this like court. Okay. He gets to do his talk, and then you can you can respond. And then to the guy's wife, why are you entertaining it? Like you don't, you shouldn't entertain that. You have well, a husband. Do not She's entertain another guy's slide. Would you do that to any other guy? Like I get is Drake, but still, that is your husband. So no, I had a problem Drake. with everybody in this situation. That's and that it that kind of took the pop culture world by storm last uh, this last week. Russ, your response. All right. So first and foremost. To comment on another man's son, you whatever happens to you after that is of your own doing. I, I'm right with you on that. That's right? what I was okay. thinking the whole time. Mm-hmm. It's like, like you, you could say you, Drake you brought sucks. this on yourself. Yes. Man. You could say Drake sucks, your music music's garbage, whatever. And it's like, fine, I'm an entertainer, whatever. When you start talking about my son, all right, now I, I'm bringing the storm on you. Then two, Tony talks about. Drake, why are you responding? One, for all the reasons I just mentioned. Call me garbage. Say I don't write my own music. I don't care. I'm a gajillionaire. Just signed a $400 million deal with my label. I don't care. Buy a whole life. But you start talking about my son. Now, even if I didn't have time, I'm going to find time. <laughs> right? To be petty. And then sometimes you just have time. Like, I'm just on my phone. I'm sitting on the toilet. I'm at the house chilling. Got my feet up. The girl's bringing me some wine and grapes. And then I just have my, happen to have my phone when you come. 
come at that. Now I have time. <laughs> and so then it's, it's yes, Drake is a genius. Yes, he's petty, but he's a petty genius. Because now he's just like, all right, let me go through. Let me click on your profile and see how miserable your life is compared to mine at the compound up in Toronto. And so then he sees bros married and then goes to the depths of, all right, now let me go to this dude's followers, find where she's tagged yeah, and follow bro's wife. Oh, he made this his project. Yes, absolutely. Because this is an afternoon. Now he's excited. Like, oh, right. man, I can't wait. So now he follows <laughs> your, your wife. Then he goes, okay, I'm going to respond to you and say, hey, I just followed your wife because she's probably miserable. Then DM bro's wife and says, hey, ma, I'm here for you if you need me. One, don't text my girl or DM my girl. I'm here for you if you need me, <laughs> if you drink. But that's neither here nor there. But she responds and says, oh, my God, my husband was responding to Drake and he Drake slid in my DMs. And then, dude, Tony left out this part. The dude goes, oh, man, Drake really did follow my girl and DM'd her. Ha, 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 ha. With like 10 laughing emojis. Okay, so now, laugh, going, now, he like, now he likes it. Well, see, now this, those laughing emojis are pain because he realized that <laughs> this wasn't just me giving you your 15 seconds of fame. If I wanted to, I could take your wife. I could, because I'm Drake and I could do it. I don't, I don't ever want to like, uh, you know, interfere with anyone's marriage. But I'm with Russ on this tone that Drake's got practice. And this is this is a commensurate <laughs> response. This is a commensurate response to the guy, you know, making fun of Drake's kid. And yeah, if Drake wants to. You don't think that's too far? There, there, there are too many incidences online. F that dude, Tony. There are too you many. You come with my son. F you. There are too many incidents online, and especially with celebrities, where people think they can say whatever they want with no response, no consequence. And I am not on board with like the whole Ole and Crutes thing. Like people need to remember they can get swung on. Although you should probably keep in mind that you could get swung on. But this is like if, uh, if it warrants it. Like this if is you like talk about my son. This is getting swung on in social media pretty hard. And uh, I, I I don't know. I don't I don't really object to Drake's response on this. Don't. I mean, I'm just saying. I, I'm not. He's the least of the issues in this situation. I'm just saying. I did have kind of like a. All right, man. Like. You got better things to do than no, follow a guy's wife and then, you know, subtly but not so subtly say, hey, you know, let's link. <laughs> you know, I mean, and I'm just saying, he's got better things to do. Let's link. Um, you have so many weird terms for this. What, is that a weird no. term? It's not. They're either like, they're either like weird person. euphemisms or weird old person phrases. You ever heard of sneaky uh, link? He's, he's old, Tony. You ever heard of a what? What a, was it? A sneaky link. No, please define that for no, me. No, we will do it later. I, I want to get to my point. I know. I'll get to my point, and then we'll come back to ask an old person later. Um, or ask a young person. Um, <laughs> yeah. So here's my thing, Tony. No. No. Like, it's when you talk about somebody's son, what happens after that? There is no, you got better things to do. You're a celebrity. No. F you. You don't just get to talk about people's children. Like, Talk about, tell me I suck. Tell me I'm garbage. I don't write my own music. I need to get off of Rihanna, whatever. But when you talk about this child I brought into the world that I love 
dearly. You don't just get to come at them because they they have nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. Right. So then what if now your girl on a flight on Air Canada and she coming up to Toronto? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Because you have to open your mouth on Twitter and be a troll. Talk about your son plays with Ghost Riders. Well, your girl playing with me now. So now what? <laughs> What if they got kids? Russ, Russ sounds like he's waiting for someone to do this to him. Oh, I'm, oh my God! Now Russ I, would I, love to I, make this his Thursday afternoon. I put somebody on Southwest sixty nine dollars, man. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Chappelle, a legendary comedian, maybe the number one comedian in the world right now, was attacked on stage when he was performing his last night at Hollywood Bowl. He was recording uh, for Netflix and someone came on the stage and attempted to tackle him. Now, poor form on the tackle. Dave was able to elude it it rather easily. And then him and his security proceeded to stomp the dude out. Uh, (laughs) The guy was the guy was pretty messed up. Like you see the video of him afterwards, had his arm broken, had his face kicked in. And honestly, when you attack somebody on stage who has security, that's what I would kind of expect to happen. But I think the the biggest part of this story to me is, have we gotten to a point where people feel like they can do this to comedians where, all right, you said something I don't like. Now I can come on stage and like fight you or attack you because this is really dangerous because the guy had a a knife on him. Right. It was a, a, a gun. Yes. Bayon, it was it was a. It was a knife a with plastic, a gun. Yeah, plastic bayonet with a right. real knife at the end. Real knife looked like a bayonet. Like so, he, like the the guy could have really poked Dave. Like he could have stabbed Dave for real, for sure. If he didn't like lunge at him the way he did, and it's funny to look at him and say, "Oh, dude, got his ass beat." But if it's a guy that is more skilled. A little bit more athletic, Dave gets stabbed on stage, and now this is an entirely different story. So it, it's coming. I I don't want to tie in the Will Smith Chris Rock situation. I do think that a piece of it does play a role where somebody says something that you don't like, and then you can hit that person. Now, if fans or people who aren't fans that don't like what you say can come to your place of work and voice it by hitting you or trying to inflict harm on you, that's a real issue. Because now, I, like, I don't want to have to worry about comedians all over the country worrying about people running up on them and stabbing them or having a gun or whatever. Well, we got a lot of things at play here. Uh there's, there's a, a swirl of factors in this, and one being something that we have talked about a ton in sports, which is that there seems to be this we seem to there, there seems to be this total loss of inhibition when it comes to how you act toward celebrities, and that there are now no rules, there are no no boundaries. Anything you say or yell or throw or whatever at one of these players or celebrities or anything you do now is fair game. And that's ridiculous. That's preposterous that we've reached that level. And we, we've also reached that level as a country of, I don't know what, I don't know what anybody would define as extreme anymore. I, I, I don't know that there is anything that counts as extreme in a lot of people's minds. In my mind there is, but in a lot of people's minds, maybe not. And then I think, uh, you know, the third really big thing that's going on here 
and uh, this this came up a little bit with Chris Rock, and this has come up with other comedians, is that comedy is not a safe space for comedians anymore. You are not allowed to just because of you know a lot of how, how do you, how, what would you how would you describe this? But a lot of people's reactions now to this sensitivities is they're not they're not going to take jokes as jokes, and if you say things that are offensive, which since stand-up comedy began, it's been offensive to someone. It's been offensive in some way. A lot of things that are funny are offensive. Uh, that's part of what makes those things funny. And now these comedic spaces are not just comedic spaces. And jokes that you make can come with the same consequences as if a if a politician said them or a, any other kind of public figure said them. I to to that point, Jason. I think that people forget what a joke is. Uh, the reason why a joke is said on a particular topic is because it's supposed to be ridiculous. You're not supposed to believe it because it's a joke, right? Like it's not it's, supposed. It's not to the be, president giving a speech, right? It's not supposed to be taken seriously because we know the obvious, right? Don't harm people. We don't want to, you know, put people down. Like the obvious of human nature is supposed to not, it's, it's, it's unspoken, right? If I have to explain, all right, guys, um, nobody, like if I have to explain if I'm doing a performance every time, right? Every time, hey, guys, like before I say a joke or whatever the joke is, it kills the joke. It's not a joke anymore. You're I don't know what that is. I don't even know what you would call that. Um, but to this point, in terms of, I believe, and this is this is a reach. I've already I flushed this out with my fiance. She says it's a reach, but she gets where I'm coming from. Okay. Right. Um, I thought you having a sounding the, board was going to make you more uh, reasonable. Yes. Yeah, this is giving the appearance of you driving right through a red light. <laughs> Um, I think some of this is on Chris Rock, right? For Chris, by Will Smith doing that to a comedian, it normalizes the situation because he had no consequences. What, 10 years from the, the academy, he's not going to be eligible? Like, what is that? That's nothing. That's nothing. When you go on to and assault a human being, there needs to be consequences. It need like this guy that ran up on Dave, he needs to go to prison. That is for me, that's attempted murder. He attempted to stab another person. Like, and I and I get Dave, they made light of it. They got the stump out, you know, like jail free, another another person that tried to harm them. Um, but overall, like, no, consequences need to be had. People need to know this, you cannot be doing this. And I think it all kind of started, right, with Will Smith getting, you know, at least in part some praise from a section of people that said, hey, if you if I don't like what you say, I'm going to go up and hit you. We just talked about this last week, <laughs> you know, in a, in, a, in, a, in a worse fashion because our friend, he didn't say anything that would equal the level of physical harm. So if the if the, if the reaction, if things are headed this direction where if you say something, I get to put my hands on you and, and inflict physical harm on you just by what you say, freedom of speech is, is, is going to be lost in there somewhere. 
freedom of speech is going to get get lost where I I can't say what I want to say because I have to fear for my life. And in certain situations, and again, I'm not saying for uh, uh, this is this isn't a blanket statement for every piece of verbiage that comes out of somebody's mouth. Um, right. There are some things that need to be handled, like hate, like real hate for uh, a group of people like that cannot be had. That cannot be had. People like that need to go away. But what I'm saying is in, in the realm of joke telling, in the realm of entertainment, this consequences must be had. Like it's not, it shouldn't be taken lightly. Uh, and I hope this person gets prosecuted to the full extent of the law. Dave Chappelle made a point in one of his recent uh, stand-ups. I can't remember which one it was, but, he, and I don't know if this is a true story or just an illustration that he's giving about a woman following him around at the mall uh, and then following him to his car to complain about his act and some of the things that he says. The thing that makes Dave Chappelle to me different and any comedian different than, uh, you know, a, a different another public figure saying jokes that are offensive is you got to pay to go to Dave Chappelle's show or you got to pay uh, your Netflix subscription to be able to watch this. You're a customer. You're coming to this. I mean, these people that were at the Hollywood Bowl paid money to be there and hear him. So you're he, he's not forcing this on anybody. He's selling this if you want to buy a ticket or buy a subscription on Netflix or a download or whatever. Tony said <clears throat> something that I wanted to to talk about. He said that hate has to be stamped out, right? You, you can't have hate. You can't have um, hate speech from people, right? Whether it's about race or sexuality or gender or anything like that. The fine line that comedians have to walk, Tony, is sometimes some of the things you say can sound like hate speech. And I think where we are in our society today is, do I think there is an oversensitivity? Yes. I also think that we just don't put up with a lot of the bullshit that we used to put up with in the past that we knew was wrong. Right. And and I think as you grow, as we continue to grow as people, as time continues to move on, you're supposed to get better. Do I think comedy has to adjust? Yeah, it should. Um, I think you can be funny without using homophobic slurs. Like, I, as much as I love Eddie Murphy Raw, there's things he says in that that like I watch and I'm like, can't say that shit today. And nor should you. I think it's still one of the best stand-ups of all time. Like, I think there's a balance there of knowing where we are knowing where we've been and like being able to say, okay, look, these, these are really funny jokes at the same time. I don't have to say this to be funny. I don't have to say this to be funny. And I don't have to say this to be funny. I think that's I, Dave Chappelle too. Russ is walking a line uh, that I think is probably impossible to walk in 2022 where he wants to be a comedian, but he also wants to be a kind of a thought leader. He wants to be, um, an intellectual, he wants to make bigger points. That's, I don't know if those things are compatible in this era. And I'm not, certainly not saying it's his fault that he got attacked, but I think that that finding that to be the case, which at one point seemed like kind of an interesting career path for him and an interesting 
role that maybe he would be really good at. I think finding that you can't do that, that you got to pick a lane, uh, you can't be making these jokes and but also be wanting to be wanting to be taken seriously about some things. I think that's probably going to ultimately be something he has to wrestle with about whether he wants to keep even doing this. Go ahead, Tom. I think that's what makes him Dave. And that's what makes him different from the rest of the comedians is that line that he's, you know, trying to walk on. He left Comedy Central because he wasn't being taken seriously. Like, that's that's the truth of it. He wants to draw that line and he's trusting his paying audience. The people again, whatever happened to uh, I don't like it. I'll turn it off. Whatever happened to that? If you don't like it, you don't have to listen to it. You don't have to watch. There's a lot of stuff that's out there that I choose not to watch or listen to. I just turn it off. I don't agree uh, with pe- it. People aren't shelling out $20 million for Louis C.K. stand-ups because nobody wants to watch right. it. There's not, or at least there's not enough people that want to hear it from him anymore. Right. What, what, whatever happened to just doing that? So as much as you know, people are responsible for their words, He's also doing it to a specific paying customer. Again, if you don't like Dave, don't support him. You don't, you can literally X him out of your entire life, out of your algorithm, out of everything that you see and not see a single piece of Dave Chappelle content if you don't like it. I do that with a lot of other stuff. So to take matters into your own hands, to try and like, Russ, what you said about, you know, I I believe that a little bit. I think you update the content a little bit as a comedian, but I don't want to put restrictions on the con. I want them to tell jokes. I'm not here to agree or disagree. I'm here to laugh. If it's funny, it's funny. So in order for them to operate, they got to be able to, they, they have to be able to, go into waters comically with the understand with the underlying understanding from the paying audience. I'm attempting to tell jokes. That's it. You don't, a lot of times comedians lie when they're telling stories. We don't know or not. It's funny, but I leave it as is. I leave with the understanding that I am trying to be entertained. I'm not, if I want to take something more out of it, that's on me. But I come with the understanding that this is just jokes. I don't think the world works like that. And it has never worked like that. Like, I think we could talk about, oh, Richard Pryor made all these. Yeah, but like, it's a different time. You said on this podcast before that, what happened to my bad? Like, what happened to, look, I test, I pushed the limit. Mm-hmm. I went too far. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Like, and then just move on. Yeah, I don't think you have to go on a press run of apologizing to on you know breakfast club and good morning america and Mm -hmm. cbs this morning and all that but it's just like hey don't act like you're without fault as a comedian if you say something that has ended up being hurtful to more than just it's not just one person on twitter right like some people try to make it seem like oh this is just twitter like no this is a lot of people yeah twitter's loud but at the same time there's a lot of people out there that feel this way and if it hurts people, you should apologize. You should say, look, I crossed the line, didn't intend to be hurtful to people. I apologize. And then just go back to doing what you do. Like, I, I, I think it's a 
is it difficult? Maybe for a comedian, sure. But it's why some of these comedians are so good. Like, there's no Dave. We keep talking about it. But at the same time, I think Dave is smart enough to maneuver in some of these spaces without having to get in situations that he's in. The difficulty is, is it that specific joke? Or is it jokes on the topic entirely? And I think that is where people, where we're getting confused overall of people that consume comedy and, and, and content is do you, do you believe that anybody can get jokes? Any situation can, can get jokes. All right. If you believe that, then I can be like, okay, well maybe that specific joke was a bad one. Right. And maybe reach too far. But some, I think a lot of people believe that just topics overall or subject matter overall should not be joked about. And I'm like, I, I don't know if I can get down with that. They, the objection, I think, is that his jokes, specifically his material about trans people, spurs more negativity and hostility toward trans people. They're not just harmless jokes that it fuels what is already a significant danger to trans people. And Dave Chappelle, if you're a fan of him him and know his body of work, I think he's the smartest, funniest comedian of this, of our generation. Uh, it's very, very small percentage of his total body of work is on this topic. And Dave is a major pride issue here because he's dug in on, I'm not backing down from this. I will not have my mind changed on this. Uh, that he could easily back off this topic or apologize or remove this from his act and still be a tremendously funny and entertaining comedian. But I think that objection when you're, when you're trying to, this is, this is a very, very difficult thing to define. It's very, very difficult to find where's the line between this is just a joke and this starts entering the territory of hate speech where this has a legitimate negative impact and fuels a cultural backlash to human beings. It's tough to figure out. I don't have the answer to that. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Tony, let's call some bullshit. This is bullshit. Time to call out the world's hypocrisies with bullshit. High quality bullshit. World class designer bullshit. To be sure. Bullshit. Presented by Sheets and Giggles. They just say whatever they think will interest the audience or make it appear that they know what they're talking about. And what comes out is bullshit. Tony needed to hit the button on that at that time because he had a mouthful of Caesar salad. It worked for him. It worked out perfectly. He held up this bowl of Caesar salad for us before we started the show and said, look what I'm going to eat during the show for us to be proud of him i guess i mean it's good that you're eating a salad 
I will say, Tony, about the salad, custard looks like there's a lot of dressing in there. It really does, yeah. But it's it's a Caesar. It's the Caesar dressing. It came with the packet. Yeah, Yeah, but you don't have to put the whole packet in there. It's the whole salad. Let's not let's not be overly critical and nitpick him. He's eating a salad for dinner. That's no meat. That's a great. It's a great choice. Go ahead, Tone. Hey, I said no, no meat. Okay, all right. I don't got to ao myself. I Call Bullshit is brought to you by Sheets and Giggles. And if you visit them by the link sheetsgiggles.com slash SA, that's our special link that they've set up for us and our listeners. And you'll get 23% off applied automatically at checkout. Uh, 100% eucalyptus sheets, silky smooth, soft, comfortable, perfect for summer. It's a really, really good time to get some Sheets and Giggles sheets on your bed because you, they don't get too hot. They really, uh, they really like. What would you say, Russ? Ventilate or whatever. Yeah. Like, they don't. They don't get sweaty. They, they don't get sweaty. Very the comfortable. Away. Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, you know, we just had a really warm day here in Chicago. Got up to eighty nine degrees. It's awesome this week. So yeah, it, it it wicks away the moisture if you if you get hot. It's like sheets it's like and going, giggles. It's like going calls. on a roller coaster. Go ahead, it's like going on a roller coaster with shorts on, no underwear, just all air, just. Nice, nice, cool breeze. Okay. That's how it feels to you, huh? All right, buddy. Yes, sir. Just like free balling. Sheets and Giggles calls their sheet set the sheet set. And I, they, you know, I back it up. Like, it takes some guts to call your sheet set the sheet set, but it is. And it comes in 11 different colors. Uh, you can get it for 23% off. You can get whatever you want there for your bed. Duvet, duvet cover, comforter, blanket, extra pillowcases, uh, all 23% off. If you go to sheetsgiggles.com slash S-A. Russ, I'm going to start by calling bullshit on the NFL schedule coming out, which comes out the same day this episode comes out. I'm calling bullshit on the NFL every single year, trying to make this into some kind of holiday on the calendar, some kind of important day when it it could not possibly be less important. There is nothing coming out Thursday that is going to be a revelation. You already know months or even in some cases years in advance which teams the Bears or whoever are going to play. Other than sports writers, sports writers who are uh, booking their hotels, and you better book that hotel right away. The moment you know when the Green Bay game is, for example, you got to jump on that or Foxborough or wherever. Uh, other than sports writers making travel plans for work, I don't understand what anybody cares about this. Are you writing down Bears Falcons Week Six on your calendar Thursday night when you I see am it? Not. I am not. We already know the opponents. I don't. I, I mean, you could, know some of these opponents years in advance. Yeah, I mean, you've could, known yeah. that they were going to go to New England like. For the, for, from four years ago, you'd known that in 2022, they were going to go to New England. I mean, and they, they now have stretched this out even worse where they start kind of, you know, announcing games here and there. I, who knows what games will have been announced by the time this comes out. Uh, what, do, what do you possibly care about? You care who's playing on Thanksgiving, maybe? Christmas? I, I don't understand the average fan's interest in this. Uh, I think fans love it. I think everything the NFL The NFL's does, trying to make them love it. Yeah, they try to make an, an event. And I think people chew it up. They gobble it up. You know, they they really love to receive the NFL schedule in its full entirety. Like they just love it. They love the opponents. They love the when they announce when they play the opponents. 
people that love the NFL love everything about the NFL. So, yeah, they get excited for it. Are you, are you getting hyped when you see that Bears-Cowboys is going to be at, like, 3 o'clock instead of noon? I mean, <laughs> no. No, it's, I haven't. It's are you, are you scheduling your party for that game? You're letting everybody know, hey, November 12th or whatever? Can I call one extra bullshit? Do you guys mind? This is an important one that I Please. feel like. I'm just, I'll just get in and out. It's quick bullshit. Uh, I want to call bullshit on Tony calling bullshit on the NBA voters a month ago, mm-hmm. preemptively, mm-hmm. for not giving the MVP to Nikola Jokic. Mm-hmm. And then Woj reports that they did this week. Yeah, they better And that he will receive the MVP by the end of the week. So what was the point? And why? who were you calling bullshit on? Like, that, that didn't was, make I any was, sense. Oh, oh, it made all the sense. What do you mean? I, I had, it didn't. I had the influence. On this, you could, I, I ended was up gonna, calling bullshit was, on something that never happened. I was going to look up every one of those voters if he did not win and call them out by name. They know who they were. The peer pressure of this, the full weight of the sports adjacent show reverberated through the Twitter sphere and the interwebs on Al Gore's internet, and they felt that weight. <laughs> and they picked correctly that Nikola Jokic would be the uh, the MVP after being the incumbent MVP. So let's go. Shout out to the bread man. I call him the bread man because uh, he just looks like bread. Doughy. Very, very doughy. Uh, but that's my guy. He's one of your favorite players. But yes. again, I think this might have even been like late March that you called bullshit on this and then it didn't I'm just happen. calling him out. Just, call him, just making him aware. You know what it is. We pulling up with Russ's hitters. If they didn't, if they did not vote for him, just just putting them on on notice. The the hitters are available for rent if anybody's out there. Okay, needs, good to know. <laughs> what are you calling bullshit on, Russ? I'm calling bullshit on uh, Dallas Mayor Eric Johnson, who this week said that he believes that Dallas could host two football teams. Listen, mm-hmm. there is no way in hell that Jerry Jones would allow another team, not only in Dallas, he barely wanted other teams in the state of Texas. So, this is there's absolutely no way. One, you're going to get people in Dallas to not root for the Cowboys. There's so many people in the, in the country that don't live in Dallas that root for the Cowboys. Putting another team in, in Dallas for expansion, that's never going to happen. N- never going to happen. I think the Texans are the extra team in Dallas. Correct. Even though that is several hours away. I think that's like, that's as close as you're going to get. There's never going to be another team added to another, to a uh, already existing NFL market. If all the owner, any owner that votes for that is going to immediately be at risk of it happening where they live. Right. And like, I know people here in Chicago, Oh, get another football team. It is never going to happen. No. Right. Like it's just as 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 I say, it's never going to happen in Dallas. It'll never happen here in Chicago. I mean, and, you'd love it to happen, though. Oh, like, yeah. If you're tired of shopping at Jewel, oh, you'd love yeah. to have a Mariano's open across the street or Whole Foods. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just think if the guy didn't want another, he don't want a team in San Antonio. He don't want a team in El Paso. He didn't want the team in Houston, but they voted against him. It ain't happening. Yeah. I mean, they got the physical space for it, but Dallas as a city ain't really that big, is it? 
The population it's is one of the biggest cities in the country. It's it's one of the it's one of the few. I think there's like maybe a dozen cities in America that have a pro, a pro team in all four major sports. So, so I mean they've got they've got the they've got the population for it. So they and could they've got this, the geographic space. I mean you're talking about the whole Dallas Fort Worth area. Mm-hmm. The, the Cowboys don't even play in Dallas. They play in Arlington. I mean that that's where the whole the, the Rangers are down there. There's kind of like a little sports complex down there. There's there's room, like. Technically, mathematically, Dallas is a city that could have two teams, but it's just I think totally if, if, unrealistic to think. Jerry Jones, not only – one second, Tone. Not only, not only would no owner uh, ever do that to another owner because then they could have it happen. Jerry Jones is like he, – he is like the president of the owners. Correct. Like he, he is on top of the owners. He is their leader. You don't think yeah. if, if somebody made the financial argument, we can all make more money if we no, just add another happen. team in Dallas – wouldn't happen. Jerry would not be down for more money. No. It's ultimately going to not be as much money for him, I don't think. I mean, over overall, like if if they all get a piece of the pie anyway in the end, what is he losing? So here's my thing. He's already the establishment. Uh, no, it, he is losing. Like he wants to be the controller of all things Dallas. So like and here's so here's the thing. Dallas is the ninth largest city in the country by population size. Um, Fort Worth is number 12 on that list. That's all things Cowboys, right? And then the city of Arlington in which the um, Jerry World is, is 49th on that list. So you have the ninth largest uh, city, the 12th largest city, and the 49th largest city all combining to be the Cowboys conglomerate in Texas, that is not going anywhere. And anything that can affect Jerry's money in that space, he will push back against. And so will the and, NFL at the end of the day. And he'll have plenty of support. Tony, Correct. if they put another team in Chicago, what would they call it? Uh, The Cardinals. Well, there's already a Cardinals. That's a state bird. The hitters. The hitters. The hitters. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't that the, uh, wasn't that the uh, Arena League team that they had? The Rush, very good living. Same. The thing. Rush was a very good living. Bobby, <laughs> shout out to Bobby Scipio. Um, the Chicago Hitters sounds like a team that would be on like Blitz the League or something. <laughs> <laughs> or the XFL. Yes. Go ahead, Tony. What are you calling bullshit on? Um, I'm calling bullshit on uh, fancy schmancy restaurants or just restaurants in general. Um, this is okay. idiotic, folks. This is not oh, idiotic. You already, you already know this. This is, this is not yeah, idiotic. Is. Oh, let's let him lay it out here. Look, man. Do y'all like seeing? It's one of my favorite things. Do you guys like to see? We like what? To see. I don't to like seeing like where you're see talking about seeing. Our eyes. To, to see with your eyes. Do you enjoy well, seeing? Yes. It's, yes. It's personally, I feel like this is going to be some kind of logic trap, but yes, I like to be able to see things. Correct. Right. No. So don't. why don't restaurants like people to see? It's always so dark in restaurants oh, nowadays. Geez. Okay. I, right. I I can make the argument that restaurants are like at least 60% the reason why people wear glasses in today's time because they keep the lighting so dim, <laughs> so dim. You have to strain your eyes to read the menu that is next to your face. Like I'm pretty sure if somebody actually did the research, all restaurants will be lit up because they be getting sued left and right. 
because of people straining their eyes because they're dim lighting, trying to read their fancy cursive menus, trying to figure out how much things cost and what is it I'm even ordering. So I'm calling bullshit on, on restaurants. Turn on the lights. Come on, please. I would like to see. Because it'd be nice to see. That was on uh, Django. <laughs> he was like, you don't need to see. The horse needs to see. He was like, but it'd be nice to see. It would be nice to have a normal human thing happen where I can see clearly now. And the rain is gone. This is, uh, you say so many old man things on here. This is like the oldest of them. Oldest, and yeah. Russ, see, Russ, you, can old. hear, you can hear in his voice too that this isn't just like, some material he's been working on that something happened. Something happened. What happened, Tony? You couldn't read a menu and you ordered the wrong thing. What what happened, buddy? Oh, I, I, What's the real well, life experience that this came from? On Mother's Day, we went to a restaurant. I'm not going to say the name because I don't feel like doing extra work of bleeping it out. No, but- Tony. Call them out. <laughs> Call them out for causing eyesight <laughs> problems for being the yeah, reason don't, everyone don't wears no, glasses. They're, they're only one yeah. restaurant of the entire restaurant population that is causing this problem in America. That's causing this issue. Yeah, if if I was running for president, I would run for this on this platform to lighten up all restaurants. I'm trying to save the the eyes of the youth. I'm trying to save the okay. eyes of, of 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 America. Okay. It's Stop pointing ambiance. at me and it's tell about- me what happened. So on Mother's Tell Day, what happened, Tom? Yeah, on Mother's Day, we went to this restaurant, um, and I'm, it's in the middle of the day, right? It's it's four o'clock. The sun is still out. Why am I straining my eyes? I should not be straining my eyes. It's too dark in here. Like, stop trying to scene set. I'm here with my family. This, like, what are you doing? You, even if I was on a date here, you think we're just gonna? Oh man, have it out right there on the table because of the lighting? No, Tony. turn on the lights. <laughs> Turn on the lights. I would like to see. Please. No. See, this is the problem, Tony. We give you this platform to have these ridiculous takes on things. It's about ambiance. It's about aesthetic. It's about setting a scene for people that come in and they want to enjoy the environment that they're dining in. It ain't about your damn eyes in there. You think your eyes is more important than everybody else in there. No, I'm worried about not. everybody else's eyes. No, no. No, you're not. I think if Russ, you're like, imagine, playing would you, would you prefer Russ, imagine to see? imagine this ambiance that you're describing, this ambiance that you're describing. You're there uh, having a nice dinner with someone. And uh, guess what? Your ambiance at the table next to you is Tony Gill using the flashlight from his phone to read the menu. How many people you've seen do that, though? Flashing it in people's eyes, forgetting uh, that under he, the age of seventy-five. How many people? It's always grandparent type people, Tony. Because people don't think they can challenge the establishment. I'm saying you can. No. Okay. You're a revolutionary. You need to Thank be established. High <laughs> call bullshit is brought to you by Sheets and Giggles. Even that last part from Tony is brought to you by Sheets and Giggles. Sheets and Giggles loves Tony, and it's uh, it's an ongoing confusion and frustration that we've had throughout the duration of this show, where. You drive us crazy and everybody else loves it. But anyway, Sheets and Giggles, you can go on there to sheetsgiggles.com slash SA, automatically 23% off. That discount is applied at checkout without any kind of promo code. You can get awesome, 100% silky smooth eucalyptus sheets. Very, very cool in the summer. And uh, they are no bullshit over there. Gentlemen, it is uh, very good to be one Tom Brady for a lot of reasons. He is the GOAT, greatest quarterback of all time. He has the supermodel wife who he's had several children with, has the perfect life. And it's gotten even more perfect because it came out today from Andrew Marshan, the 
famous sports media columnist for the New York Post that one Tom Brady will be Fox's new lead football analyst whenever he retires. The number that he will receive, 10 years, $375 million, making him the highest paid analyst on TV for football. Now, gentlemen, this is a big number for a lot of different reasons. One, Tom in 21 seasons has made $147 million. Even if you doubled what he's made in his career, you would still need another $181 million to reach the number he's going to receive for Fox whenever he's done playing. I, I don't know who his agent is, but that brother or sister is working. Spotrack has him at, uh, including this upcoming season, $332 million, but that's still, in career earnings, that's still significantly less than what he's going to get in this 10-year deal with Fox. There's actually a couple things that kind of confuse me about this, Russ. One, I don't know that I really want to hear a lot from Tom Brady. Man, Tom Brady not has not been interesting at all in his career. So unless this comes with the promise of it's going to be Tom Brady and he's going to like cut it loose and be totally different than what we've seen for the last two decades, this doesn't really thrill me that much. And I also don't really understand the arms race for all of these former players and big names with the broadcast when everybody's going to watch it anyway. I you was know, one... swap out Tom Brady for Rex Grossman, and I don't think you're going to lose any viewers. Everyone still wants to watch whatever that Thursday night or Saturday night or Sunday night game is. Now, that's now, come on. You can't do that. You cannot compare Rex Grossman to the greatest quarterback of all times because Plus, it would do uh, fine with reason. no announcers. It wouldn't, though. You like you're acting like people want to see Rex Grossman. People want to see the greatest quarterback of all time. Talk about football and to to uh, to act like that's not a big deal is shortchanging. Because why is anybody getting paid? Why is Joe Buck getting all this money to go to Amazon? Why is Troy Aikman getting all this money to exactly. go to Amazon? By the way, I read. I don't uh, know. Exactly. Yeah, we don't know. No, I but don't know it, why, but, because I think I don't think that affects at all whether people watch this. It affects the pro like people aren't watching your product for subpar broadcasters. Right. That's why I know that that's why Joe Buck gets paid what he gets paid, because he's an elite broadcaster. He's been doing it for a long time. That's why the broadcasters that are really good continue to make more money, continue to get on bigger platforms, go from being on the number three team on Fox to then you become the number two team. And then if you're like a Joe Davis or an Adam Amin or Kevin Burkhart, you get boosted up to the number one when a guy like Joe Buck goes to Amazon, I mean, uh, goes to ESPN um, to do Monday Night Football or uh, Al Michaels goes to Amazon to do Thursday Night Football. Like those, the, the people who are really good at the job continue to get promoted, continue to get better jobs, continue to get bigger jobs, and therefore continue to get more money. It's not like they throw in $375 million at everybody, right? They're not throwing that at every person who has ever played football and wants them to stand up in front of a mic. Because as we learned with a lot of different people out there, everybody can't do it. And I think when, if we've learned anything about Tom over the last couple of years, it's one, he's become more personable. People like Tom Brady now. His social media team is probably better than any sports team out there. People want to hear from him. People want to hear what he has to say. And you've seen him in the things that he's done with ESPN. He knows how to break things down. And so 
Fox is taking a bet on Tom that, look, this is the GOAT. This is the greatest of all times. And we're going to pair him with whoever our number one guy is at that time. I think I'm going to agree with Jason. Like, people watch football. And the prime example, which is something that I'm not understanding with all these numbers being thrown out. And I'm of two minds, right? I want them to get as much money as possible because that means that more money is going to be in this medium um, going forward. So that's number one. I'm happy for Tom Brady that a broadcaster is getting this money. Joe Buck, all the Al Michaels. It's a tr- it's a trickle down effect because the, that means if they are investing th- that much in the the product, that means stuff around the product is going to be elevated as well. And I'm we all are pieces around the products of, of live sports, which is extremely valuable. The reason why, in fact, I could could have called bullshit on this. Nobody liked that Monday night football broadcast team, but you know what? Everybody watched Monday night football. Like people, people watch football because it's football at this point. It's a machine. They've been tinkering with that Monday Night Football broadcast since Tariko and Gruden left. The people didn't leave. People still watched football, even though they went through like four or five different teams on that broadcast since. But people watched it. So if people are going to watch anyway, one, that gives you room to try some different things like baseball is doing, right? I think, uh, is that on Apple? Where they're... uh, they're kind of doing a podcast as they like it affords you if you have a live sporting program, especially football, it affords you to do a bunch of different things, a bunch of creative things. Um, yeah, you can and, experiment. Right. You can experiment and you don't have to invest that much into the broadcast if the presentation, the visuals are right. So it, I, I don't get it why they're investing so much in people talking around the game when if you're watching it in a group if you're actually enjoying football in the best way possible with a bunch of friends you're not even hearing them like they don't even matter when you're watching it uh with with a bunch of friends so i mean i just i i don't get why tom brady's making this much money he's not interesting whatsoever i've seen to you the the man in the arena it is not interesting to you hey maybe maybe to me but I just don't think it's worth that much of an of an investment where you can spread if, that money in in other places to make the the visual product better. Here's my thing: if if people thought what you just said, he would not be making that. I don't know. You're not going to invest that much into somebody that you don't think is going to be interesting, right? Uh, ESPN doesn't give Peyton Manning the platform if they don't know Peyton's going to kill it which he has been doing because he's shown he can do it. Like, they're not doing this for everybody. I don't think you can um, calculate me, that, Russ. I don't think you can cal- calculate. But you that. also can't calculate to say that, oh, the, the broadcast team doesn't matter. There are executives that have the numbers that show that having a good quality broadcast team matters. Whether people watch football or not, you can say that the broadcast team that had Mike Tirico and John Gruden on it was much better and drew much more people than the ones that didn't do well. I'm not saying there's numbers to back that up. I, I, I think it's an artificial arms race that they've all created with each other where they're all, yes. they aren't giving it to everyone. You're right, Russ. They aren't. 
They're they're but they're throwing it at the biggest names whenever they can. And if Russell Wilson retires after this season, then they're going to throw that money at him. They're just all seeing what is the they're biggest name themselves. they can get. They, and while I, I agree with you that there are great that I appreciate when I'm watching a game, I appreciate good play by play broadcasters and good color analysts, but I'm never sitting there being like, Ooh, I got to catch the Romo game this weekend. I really got to hear, I really got to make sure I watch whatever game Romo's doing uh, Thursday afternoon. And, and not, I would never not watch a game because of whoever the broadcast. Oh, I don't like these guys. I'm not watching chiefs chargers this week. Like the right. NFL no has does. Not, not everybody has that, by the way, not every sport. I'm not saying this applies to every sport, but it absolutely applies to the NFL. But you know who cares about that? CBX, CBS and Fox and NBC and ESPN and all these places that are that have the money and generate the machine to even have three hundred seventy five million dollars, not knowing when this dude's even going to retire to give it to him. When whenever you retire, it's here for you. You just sign on the dotted line like the, there are a lot of executives where you're just like, all right, these are just people in the room just coming up, throwing stuff at the wall. At the same time, those same executives have numbers and ratings from years and years and years that leads you to a conclusion. Like, it's not like you're just pulling something out of your ass and like, uh, Peyton Manning. I mean, uh, Tom Brady, let's put him on TV for 10 years with whoever our number one, uh, play by play person is at that point. Like you have numbers and you can also logically say, this is the best quarterback to ever play the game. Not the broadcast. Put him on our number one team. Not the broadcast. We never heard him broadcast. It doesn't matter. He's the best to ever do it, and you—that's the draw. I don't think it is the draw. I think yeah. it's artificial. I think it's something they've. You see, in sports, you see people overpay for a free agent because an artificial bidding war has been created by a bunch of teams that are overvaluing this guy and then trying to outbid each other, and somebody spends way too much on uh, whoever it is that they end up getting. And I think, I think, I think that's the case here. I just don't think this has that much of an impact on where people watch it. Now, if you had the same game on multiple channels, that'd be a different story. If you had three different networks are going to broadcast Chiefs Chargers and then I'm going to pick which broadcast team I like best, then that would be a different story, but that's never going to that's never going to be the situation. Right? If 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 they all the games start at the same time and Adam Amin and whatever ex and Greg Olson Greg Olson has Patrick yeah. has uh Chiefs but uh Bills. And, Russ is watching and, whoever's got and the Tom, He's and watching Tom, whoever's got Cooper Cup on his team. <laughs> and Tom Correct. Brady, and they have uh, Bears-Lions. I'm not <laughs> watching that game. I don't care who's who's covering that game. I am not watching that game. I am turning to whatever Chiefs-Bills uh, uh, are. And I think that's the, the overall point. I think there's a level that there needs to be at if you're doing this professionally. But I think there's also an, an overvaluement of what this is. The product is what is what matters. I don't need – I enjoy watching football. I, I enjoy watching good football. There's never a bad game that I stick around for for the broadcast team. That's, that's never going to happen in, my, in anybody's lives. So if, if, if it's equal to if – it, if it's equal to bad game Tom Brady, good game, quote-unquote, bad product – bad uh, broadcast team, I'm watching that good game. I don't have to listen to what they say. But but the problem with what you're saying, Tony, is you're not paying Tom Brady 375 to be on Lions-Bears. He's going to be on Chiefs-Bills. He's going to be on Rams-Packers. He's going to be on 
the marquee primetime three o'clock America's game of the week on Fox every Sunday. I mean, that's not that's not really up to that's not that's up to the NFL schedule. That's that's not going to happen every week. That's not going to happen. He'll every be on time. their best. He'll it's be on gonna their happen best nine times out of ten. Yeah, I'm not going to say he's going to get he'll bad. be on their best game every week. But I do hope that whenever he does inevitably end up with a Bears Lions game on Thanksgiving that he cannot get out of that Tom Brady treats that. Uh, I hope he takes as much personal offense to having to watch that game as Troy Aikman has over the years. <laughs> and look, games get flexed all the time because of that. That's why the flex rule exists. Or what if it's a blowout? Am I sticking around? If it's like, all I'm saying is there's there's nothing that Tom Brady's going to keep me there for if it's not a good game. That's and and let, Tone, unless unless he's going to be super interesting. Yeah. Unless he's going to. But there's now, no evidence Tom, of that. Tom Brady like telling stories that could be. Really good. I, I hope that – see, that's the thing about this is I look at them throwing this money at Tom Brady, and I said my first reaction is like, okay, he he better realize like he got to be interesting. You can't just show up and beat Tom Brady. But then I realize like that is what they're paying him to do. They're paying for the name. They're paying for Tom Brady. And the fact is he doesn't have to be interesting because people watch these games no matter who's broadcasting them. All I'm, my last thing before we move on is you're worth what somebody's willing to pay you at the end of the day. Right. You could somebody could say that's a lot of money for a guy who's never stepped in front of a mic before. You're worth what somebody's willing to pay you. And that's in every industry and every job. Well, nobody's knocking him for taking that money. Oh, yeah. No, take the saying, money. Or for saying he oh, should yeah. make more than Tony Romo or that he might Please. be more famous than Tony Romo. No, it's I'm just, just saying you're worth what not money. You're worth not what money somebody's well willing to pay you. It's not money well spent. As Tony takes a giant bite of Caesar salad, right when we're about to start a segment, go ahead, have another bite, Tony. You're Look about to anyway. dressing. You. We'll just throw to you whenever you get the Caesar salad dressing out of your beard. You. <laughs> just he's literally shoveling it in. Russ, before we uh, get to some of the news that we haven't covered today, yes, uh, I noticed that you're wearing a shirt. Is this some kind of special occasion? Usually, you don't have a full shirt on. Usually. Maybe it's a partial shirt or half a shirt hanging off of you. These are uh, nice, comfortable, dope shirts from the good, fine folks over at Homage. And they they sent the boy a, a, a beautiful collection of shirts. And in honor of our good friends at Homage, I wanted to just rock it. This is their Ken Griffey Jr. sweetest swing in baseball shirt. Homage has a lot of stuff. It's a great company with uh, great shirts. They have a lot of retro stuff, but a lot of modern stuff, too, and a lot of pop culture stuff. And uh, they just like our show. So they sent us these shirts. Russ has the Ken Griffey Jr. shirt. I've got the Kitten Mittens shirt. Do you guys know what that's a reference to, Kitten Mittens? I don't. You'll be smitten. Do you know, Tone? I don't. Okay. It's from Always Sunny. If you guys watch, if you guys uh, look it up on YouTube, Kitten Mittens, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, it's a good. Uh, you'll get a laugh out of that. It's two minutes worth your time. And Tony's got uh, one of the. What is it, Tony? You got uh, Raphael from the Ninja Turtles. Yeah. On a Chicago Bulls shirt. Chicago Bulls. Raph wears red. The Bulls are red. So I got Raph uh, representing the Bulls. Let's go. Did you like the Ninja Turtles when you were a kid, Russ? Are you? Is that was that still going? Full yeah. steam. Okay. That yeah, was our it was favorite. Still man. Going. We had all kinds of Ninja Turtle. That was uh, like my kids play with Barbies and they have all these elaborate stories going on with the Barbies. That's what we did with the Ninja Turtles. 
But uh, shout out to Homage. They like us. They're fans of the show. And uh, we appreciate these cool shirts that they sent us. Russ, would you like to hear the news that we didn't get to today? Yes, please. Would you like some delightful Urban Meyer news? I know that's one of your favorite things. Jeez. Uh, Urban should probably stay out of the news, but give us the latest. Well, this one, he didn't put himself into the Well, not directly, I guess. Uh, do you remember Josh Lambeau and Josh Lambeau's yes. accusation that uh, Urban Meyer kicked him during warmups and uh, was verbally abusive to him? Correct. Josh Lambeau, the former Jags kicker, is suing the team now for three and a half million dollars because Urban Meyer created a hostile work environment, which sounds to me like the fastest open and shut case I've ever heard of. If we're going to decide whether Urban Meyer created a hostile work environment. Yeah, I think that's an easy three mil for Josh, uh, Josh Lambeau and his uh, his attorney. The Tampa Bay Times reports that Josh Lambeau filed the suit Tuesday, claiming Urban Meyer kicking him and being verbally abusive to him caused his performance to suffer. He was cut in October. Uh, Urban Meyer, of course, has denied this, saying that Josh Lambeau's version of that whole exchange where Urban Meyer cursed at him and actually physically kicked him uh, is, quote, completely inaccurate. So you got to decide who you believe, Josh Lambeau or Urban Meyer. Taking Lambo if I got to go with one of the two. You know, I suspect the courts might, too. <laughs> I'd like to give you a little uh, soccer report. I do not know anything about soccer. And I do not know anything about a player called Marcelo. He's just one of those one-name guys. He just goes by Marcelo. So on the headline about this, that he it said star, like he's a star player, but... Uh, you know, I'm not saying he's not a star just because I haven't heard of him. I haven't heard of pretty much all soccer players. But I also don't know anything about his team. It's a French team uh, called uh, Lyon. But what I do know about this and what I think you might find interesting is why he got benched and cut. Marcelo was benched last August and cut in January or whatever the soccer terms are for those things. Uh, he was caught laughing. After a particularly hard loss, he was caught laughing during a post-game fire-up-the-troops type speech from, uh, from the Lyon captain, Leo Dubois, uh, which, you know, not a good look. And uh, also ESPN reports that he was disciplined for, quote, repeatedly farting in the locker room. So, Tony, as a soccer player. You got to be really good if you're going to be farting all the time. It's only funny if you're really good at, at soccer. Uh, do you know the Paul brothers, Jake Paul and Logan Paul? I, I am aware of them, unfortunately. Which, which one's the fighter? Are they both fighters? I can't. They both no. One of them's Jake, a fighter. No, one of them's no a they're not guy. both fighters. They are. Jake, no. Stop it, Tony. What's Jake, called the, the other one, not Jake I don't Paul, care what Floyd. he did for months. Tony, just let me explain this for the people. One Jake of them's Paul, a legitimate fighter, Jake right? Paul, the one with the tattoos, he's the one that's the, like the real fighter. Logan Paul yeah. is the other brother, TikTok famous, Vine famous, who just kind of rides the brother's coattail while Jake is knocking people out. I'll get in the ring with Kevin Hart or whoever. <laughs> All right. So, so Jake Paul's the fighter. Yes. All right. I'm going to write this in my notes. Jake Paul, fighter. Logan Paul, TikTok. Yes. Okay. Anyway, Jake Paul and Logan Paul put some unusual meat in their mouths. Go ahead, Tony. Uh, you're actually uh, correct to use that this time because it was, in fact, cow testicles that they were eating. Raw cow testicles in a sit-down with a man who calls himself 
the liver king. Have you heard of the liver king, Russ? I have not. Well, you're going to get a quick little uh, thumbnail sketch of him here. Another huge thing is mechanical loading. Today we like things that fall off the bone, or you don't have to do any work to taste it or to swallow it. The next time you're out walking, pick up a stick and start chewing on it from the molars, premolars, carinines, laterals, centrals. Spend time. When's the last time you used your centrals? If you don't provide that mechanical loading, that kind of stimulus, then you're not going to have any sort of biological adaptation to maintain robust, strong bones and teeth. So, in summary, our early ancestors did not brush, did not floss, and did not get cavities. In the modern world, we do. And so what's missing? Liver, bone marrow, egg yolks, sun, and mechanical loading. There you go, Russ. Uh, run that by your dentist next time you go. Uh, and from a recent G, this guy, by the way, is a major social media influencer. Has 1.5 million followers on Instagram, and uh, GQ did a profile on him last week by Madeline Agler. Uh, and and I'll read you a quick ex excerpt from it. Uh, While liver will always be his first love, the liver king also sings the praises of other oft ignored parts of an animal, like bone marrow, the tongue. And the balls. Eating another animal's testicles is supposed to strengthen your own. He explains thus. Vegetables don't have the raw material required to produce a healthy set of testicles. Testicles do have everything required to produce and support and strengthen them. So that's this guy's whole deal. Uh, he calls himself the CEO of the ancestral life, which uh, is not necessarily a life that I want to go back to. I, I prefer how we do modern food and air conditioning and indoor plumbing and all of that. Uh, he's in great shape, as you saw in the video, mm -hmm. or at least visibly he appears to be in great shape. He has been accused by Joe Rogan of taking steroids, and he has denied it. Uh, there was a video, I saw a video on his Instagram, Russ, of him taking 51 shots of blood. I believe it was cow blood. And I made it to about shot number eight before I got uncomfortable and had to turn it off. Uh, anyway, he did a sit-down with the Paul brothers, and fed them a bunch of different meat. Uh, go ahead, Tone. You. Uh, cow testicles, cow liver, cow pancreas. I love a good pancreas. Cow kidney and cow heart. Uh, Logan Paul tried the cow testicle. I think it was Logan now. I can't remember. But uh, he gagged on it and spit it out. Couldn't take it. Uh, his dad was there. His dad said, give me that nut, I believe. Was what he said. Hey, yo. And so he threw it over to him, and the dad just gobbled it down like nothing. Hey, double yo. <laughs> Not gobbled it down. The Liver King kind of reminds me of the Detroit urban survival training guy. Of like, he clearly considers himself an expert, but I don't think I do. We also need to correct a little bit of misinformation that you two have put out into the world. And I think I put some out. Yes. Yes. That's not Tony. my bag. That's usually just Tony's bag. Yeah, Usually. Yes. You are usually not involved in this kind of malfeasance, but you were in this case. You guys made a fool out of me in front of Cam Bleepin Smith saying that Megan the Stallion and Party Fontaine are not together anymore. They're very much together, according to what I saw on the Internet today, Russ. Uh, please explain. Well, you can you can apologize at the end of this. Uh, but, you know, this was not true, what you guys said to Cam Smith, that these two have broken up. 
And you, you caused me some unnecessary heartbreak thinking that these two had split up. This is a TMZ headline. Megan the Stallion. Boyfriend party takes her for a ride. And if you watch the videos, boy, did he. Uh, there are several videos of the two of them at a club in New York City and a quick viewing or several viewings of these videos made it very clear to me that they are definitely still an item, definitely still together. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. There was there was a lot of smoke out there that they had broken up, and uh, while I usually vet things like that, I you know whatever. I, okay. No, not whatever. I'm sorry. Are the words you're looking for? Yeah. To to them, to me, to Cam Smith, to the public. Mistakes were made. To honesty in general. <laughs> good for party and, and, and Meg. Good for party based on the videos I saw. Oh, of course. And Always. finally, Russ. Uh, Russ, let me ask you a question. What city do you most <laughs> associate with a rat problem? If I talk about a city, if I say there's a city that's got a, tons of rats, the first place that comes to mind is what for you? New York City. I think that's the answer for most people. Did you know that Orkin did a study in 2020 of the cities that have the biggest rat problems and New York was actually third. Chicago was number one. Whoa. And you do see rats around Chicago, but I think New York is more like famous for it. And this year, New York is on pace for the most reported rat sightings in 12 years. This is not necessarily the number of rats because, you know, not everybody calls the 311 hotline every time they see a rat, but there have been Approximately 7,400 calls to this hotline through April. So that's an average of 62 calls per day. And now they're not sure if this means there's more rats or more sightings. You know, how did the pandemic affect this? People were eating inside. Now they're eating outside. But the, the, the problem here, not, not that there is ever a good thing about having a bunch of rats, is that outdoor dining continues to expand and in cities like Chicago and New York, it's a big thing in the summer anyway, but it's continuing to expand as just part of regular life that we're going to have more outdoor dining than we've than we had before. Uh, people don't want a rat running across their uh, their table or under their table while they're having a burger or, or some pizza out on the sidewalk. Uh, New York City has tried several things. They tried they've tried over the years luring rats with a soup like bait that is actually poison and toxic and kills the rats. Uh, they've tried more frequent trash pickup. That's reasonable. They've tried suffocating rats in their burrows by using dry ice. And uh, now the new solution they're going to try is padlocked trash cans, which we've talked about this before with out West. They try this with bears. They try this as a deterrent to bears and uh, people don't really follow through on it. They don't lock up their trash. Um, do you remember the pizza rat in New York? That's where I ended up down, going down my rat rabbit hole of, uh, Rats and New York City, the pizza rat in 2014. This was a YouTube social media sensation. Neither of you does. The rat carrying a piece of pizza down the stairs. <laughs> like a whole piece of pizza? Yeah. yeah, like a whole like New York style slice of this. The, okay. Anyway, lots of rats in New York, Russ. That's yeah, uh, this, like that uh, we that video we played on here, the Love That Chicken from Popeye's. Oh, that was a good one. That was in Washington, D.C., which, by the way, is fourth uh, from the 2020 study of cities that have the biggest rat problems right after New York City. Yikes. You still love that chicken from Popeye's? Remember the guy asked that? I love that. Yeah, no, that, but they, yeah, with the face he made. Huh. <laughs> is, that, uh, is that the news, Jason? That's the news. You're caught up. 
All right. Sweet. We would like to Big news. New York City has rats. Yes. Uh, I don't think anybody knew that. So we appreciate the new service for keeping us up to date. News Incorporated. Um, we'd, li- we'd like to thank everybody out there for listening to our episode of Sports Adjacent this week. As always, please visit our friends over at Cheats and Giggles. They have high quality eucalyptus sheets. They keep you cool in the summertime. It's been hot in Chicago this week. You got to stay cool if you sleep by yourself. If you sleep with somebody, everybody should stay cool at the crib. The blankets are soft and keep you cool. The duvet or comforter, whatever you like to call it, they also keep you cool even though you have it on you. You're going to have the air conditioner running. It's going to get cold in there. You're going to want your blanket to keep over you, but also keep you cool and not too hot. It's going to it's gonna do that. So sheetsgiggles.com slash S-A. You don't need a promo code. You click on that sheetsgiggles.com slash S-A. You buy whatever sheet set you want, duvet, duvet covers, extra pillowcases because they come with two you can buy an additional two and you don't have to put the promo code in it'll automatically deduct it it'll say sports adjacent in the discount bar and you'll be good to go so sheetsgiggles.com slash sa they're just really comfortable we can get into all the science and everything about the eucalyptus and russ can list all those features for you i just straight up they're just super comfortable sheets yeah tony do you have do you do you have uh, an endorsement for sheets and giggles yeah, I mean, they've been so good to us and good to the show. Um, yeah. It, yeah. Once you buy the sheets and you like just really engulf yourself in the sheets and giggle sheets, you're going to want to murder somebody if they try to steal your sheets and giggles. Like you're going to want to put hands on people and it will be completely justified because they tried to take your sheets oh. and giggles. I am proponent about this on the show a lot of, of, of violence. For people that try to take your sheets and giggles, they're that good, and you're gonna want to do that. Why would someone steal your? Wait, 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 Jason, Jason, damn all that. We don't condone uh, violence here on Sports Jason. Unless they're trying to, unless they're trying to steal your sheets and giggles. The thoughts and opinions expressed by Tony Gill are his alone, and do not represent Sports Jason LLC. But she's or sponsors. In what scenario was someone stealing your bed sheets? What because they know this? how good they somebody stayed over somebody's house, felt the sheets and giggles, was like, man, I would really like those sheets and giggles. I don't have a promo code or I don't have a slash slash um to, to type in to get the sheets and giggles. Where am I gonna get the sheets and giggles? Oh, I know I the last place that I slept, I'm gonna take them. You have full right under the law to murder that person. No, you did not. You're just sitting there nodding your head at yourself. You're the only one agreeing with yourself right now, just so you're aware. How do you keep getting jobs? Oh, he doesn't do this at the other jobs. That's the reason, Russ. Yeah, I know. I know. That's the problem. He's yeah. taking advantage of us. Um, <laughs> As always, make sure you are downloading the podcast each week, whether that is on uh Apple, on iTunes, Spotify, we're there, uh, Stitcher, wherever you find your audio content. Make sure you keep sharing and retweeting the clips on Twitter, but not only li- watching the clips, make sure you're checking out the entire episodes because we are putting out really good content. Uh, we've reached over a year of content. We have back catalog. Like, There's a lot of good stuff. If you want to re-listen to an episode, whether it's Meat Peaks or we talked about stimulus checks that what seemed like 10 years ago, we have it all for you. 
um, a lot of different fun stories from our lives, and we bring it to you each week. So make sure you're telling your friends about it. You're listening. Uh, subscribe. If you haven't subscribed already, you can do that and it'll come on your feed every week. You get the little notification on your phone. Um, gentlemen, anything else before we let the fine folks go? I think that covers it. All right. And we will see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Sports Adjacent with Jason Leisure and Russell Dorsey. Be sure to download, subscribe, and give the podcast five stars. You can check out the latest episode of Sports Adjacent on all digital streaming platforms. I'm very much adjacent. For a couple hours, I thought I was hood. But then all that happened, I was like, you know what, James? You adjacent to the mother. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.